Welcome to the Courageous Entrepreneur Show. This is the show that shares information and inspiration to help you break free from self-doubt, limiting beliefs and disempowering patterns, and break through to create the thriving, successful business you dream of and deserve. I'm your host, Winnie Anderson. I interview entrepreneurs who've overcome amazing challenges to create success on their terms and experts who share insight and practical information that can get you past your blocks and move, help you move forward with courage, confidence, and clarity. The show is available in both video and audio formats on a variety of platforms, including iTunes, iHeartRadio, in the Google Play Store, on YouTube, and on my website, WinnieAnderson.com. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll share the show with others, and I hope you'll decide to join my community. You can become a fan of the show on my site at WinnieAnderson.com fans. When you do, you'll get episodes delivered right to your inbox along with information, tips, and resources to help you consistently move forward with courage, confidence, and clarity to position and pre-sell yourself as the unique solution provider you are so you can profit from your expertise. One of the things that many solo professionals deal with is low self-worth and low self-esteem. And often, we suffer from it without fully realizing it. You know, we're, we were pretty confident and, and may have even been courageous, at, you know, at times in our former corporate or organizational lives, but out on our own where we can feel really exposed and we may struggle with issues like imposter syndrome or what my friend Sandy Missouri calls, who am I-itis? This can prove debilitating, disempowering, and ultimately it can keep us from the success we dream of and deserve. I've had clients who, who were held back by this, as well as colleagues and friends, and believe me, I dealt with it myself, and it's an ongoing battle. I knew this was going to be an issue for me to address on the show, because I think dealing with this takes courage, and once you have dealt with it, you'll find yourself bravely stepping into and taking the steps you need to take to position and pre-sell yourself so you can profit from your expertise. That's why I'm really excited to bring today's guest to you. Nat Karopma III is a coach who helps entrepreneurs, artists, consultants, and coaches to stand up for their uniqueness. He helps them align their soul and work in a way that brings them freedom, joy, and fulfillment. Nat calls that living magnificently, and he helps clients to embrace and bring out their bold magnificence, which is also the name of his podcast and website. So listen in as Nat explains what exactly is bold magnificent and why it's the essence of who we are, how to overcome feelings of self-loathing and unworthiness, how to embrace our magnificence without going over to the dark side and becoming a jerk, dealing with the inner critic who seems determined to keep you feeling small, what it means to live a vision of magnificence, and as always, listen all the way to the end where I'll share your cocktail exercise and action step for this episode. All right, so welcome, Nat. Thanks so much for joining me. Oh, thank you so much, Winnie. I'm happy to be here. So let's just dive right in. Your podcast is called Bold Magnificence, which I love that. Can you talk about this whole concept of magnificence and why you feel it's the essence of who we are? Personally, I think people really struggle with, I'm magnificent. Yeah. Um, 
So when I think about magnificence as our essence, uh, a couple ways to look at that. Uh, you know, we, we've told in, in, in religion that we're created in the image of God, mm-hmm. right? Or uh, who we really are is divine. And, and so when I think about magnificence, that's what I'm talking about is you know, the, the essence of who we are is this, this um, expansive, this unlimited, this uh, brilliant consciousness that we have uh, access to any time. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you, and we could go on for days <laughs> just talking about that particular issue. And I have to say that I think that's a concept. Cognitively, we can sit here and go, amen. I believe, literally, I believe that. I buy into that. We've, I've been told that. I totally get it. And then at the same time, we can be stuck in this feeling of, I'm not worthy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think resolving that conflict between cognitively knowing that there's a divine essence in each of us and then, but I feel so unworthy, how can I possibly be connected to the divine? And then you've got all of that that uh, emotional baggage from, um, you know, whether any organized religion a construct and dogma that you you know you personally individually may be it, it, it have brought up with and there's a lot of emotional confusion about that can you talk a little bit about helping somebody how does somebody resol- resolve that conflict and embrace the divine sure sure y- yes uh everyone has been exposed to conditioning that's the way I like to think of it as conditioning. Uh, it, when you think about kids, when you look at infants, they're they're so free. Uh, even even toddlers, they're they're so free. They're enjoy themselves. They're in the moment. They're present uh, for for the most part. And so I think that we come into this world, uh, even if it, even if it's just for a moment, we come in with this magnificence that and we're aware of and I really believe that a lot of babies live in that space of magnificence and that's why we think they're so cute and you know we we can't keep our eyes off of them you know it's it's something about their energy that we're drawn to and then we and then life gets thrown at us and we go through different situations and uh, we start to identify with those situations instead of being identified with our magnificence. And so, uh, and, and this is not to discount the experiences we went through, right? right. This is not to say that um, they weren't real, mm-hmm. uh, but it, because they were so real, we took them on as this is who I am, or with the limited inf- information we had as kids, we think well, this is the way it is. Our parents are supposed to love us. And so because they're acting in this way, I must not be lovable or I must have done something wrong to not uh, deserve the love that I should be receiving. 
And we go to that as our way of explaining our life. And we keep on going to that as, you know, as a type of container. Uh, and, and the mind, when you talk about cognitively, our mind, our rational mind, really just takes new information and tries to make sense of it based on the information it already has. Right? So even if it's a new situation that could potentially support us in uh, resolving uh, our past traumas and pains, we tend to look at that and say, well, that can't possibly be true or that can't possibly help me because of these set of parameters that I've already lived. Okay. Yeah. So the way to resolve this isn't through the mind necessarily. And we, we, we can start to change our thinking, but for something that's so traumatic as uh, abuse, uh, emotional abuse, even I work with a lot of people that are very sensitive or what I like to say, uh, very aware. They became aware, they were always aware as kids. And so any level of intensity or volatility made a deep impact on their nervous system. And so that's where the mind can't really uh, help us. Because again, the mind's like, this is how it works. And, uh, but the body's like, oh no, that's not how it works. Because I remember this and it feels so scary. And anything that is remotely close to feeling that tension, we shut down. We, we push off anything that could potentially open up the doors for us because there's a lot of uncertainty that we experience as kids or whatever period of time that you experience that level of unlovability that um, we have to come back to our energy and we need to start to trust what we feel and uh, introduce a, a, a new energy, what I call a, a love energy, the magnificence energy. It's a, it's a certain frequency that we can tap into. And the more frequently that we tap into it, the, the more accustomed, familiar that we can uh, experience it. And we can see that that is more available to us or is always available to us that we didn't know was available to us because we kept on going back to this, I'm a victim, I'm you know, not lovable, right. this is hard, right. um, I'm afraid that if I put myself out there that this, I will feel this thing again and I don't like it, so I'm gonna try to avoid it as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah, that is, is really so true. I was reading just last night an article in a back issue of psychology today that talked about the physical symptoms I'm gonna call them physical symptoms of illness that get manifested as a result of some kind of subconscious holding on to an emotional pain some kind of experience that we had 
or that is how we process it and exactly as you say it's so painful we're trying to not even remember it and then it it you know what gets I think it, the quote is what gets suppressed gets expressed right mm -hmm. it's, it's so it's going to come out some way and in some people it can manifest as symptoms of a genuine illness but you don't actually have the real illness you have these external symptoms mm -hmm. and I, I think that it, whether you've been abused whether you were bullied whether you have just in air quotes uh, been conditioned by things you've seen in the media or things that you heard yeah we our first reaction as children now we're, we're trying to navigate our world with the best logic that we have right. with our development our developing brains and unfortunately to us that logic of if this is happening I I must have deserved it somehow mm. right yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we again, we see this played out. We're recording this when the Harvey Weinstein case is, has been all over the news. Um, normally, I wouldn't bring up something that's timely, but in actuality, that message is timeless, that women have been taught to believe, especially those of us of a certain age, been taught to believe that somehow I deserved this. Right. I did something that provoked this when in actuality the only thing they did was enter the lion's den right you go and some people he went after some people he didn't some some people the lion doesn't decide to eat and some people they do most of them they do so yeah. I think this is really a deep-seated issue and I know in my own journey I discovered that this issue was of, of feeling unworthy was actively holding me back from success yeah, feeling unworthy, feeling even too much. You know, I, I've worked with women who at some point uh, th they were just carefree and uh, that attracted, you know, undesirable attention. Uh, or they, they were really smart and that made people pick on them. You know, so there are all these ways that we're naturally brilliant and we learn that that's not okay, and we we dim our light, we turn the volume down on who we are. And I think that uh, for a lot of women and and some men um, who have experienced those types of experiences, um, we don't want to seem like we're weak. We don't want to seem like we're not enough. And so we do what is socially acceptable, which is we put our heart and soul and energy into working to create this external uh, success that's you know, seen by other people as, wow, you're amazing. And, but there comes to a point where you realize I can't continue this way because even though I've created this success, I'm not happy. I, I don't feel fulfilled. I'm I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I, I don't know what to do next. And those are a lot of people that work with me. Is like I, I don't know what to do anymore. I, I can't continue on this way because not only am I feeling empty inside, my body's hurting, and I I'm stressed out all the time. And I should be, I should be feeling happy because I have the success, but I'm not. 
Yeah, that, uh, I love all of that, amen. I can certainly uh, relate to that, and I think a lot of the people who are listening to this can also relate to this. So, you know, it, in simple terms, we're, we're really talking about that voice of the inner critic, right? I think of it as a little demon that's in there saying, every hateful thing that it can possibly imagine there's a i'm a movie fan and and uh, i think in um in the movie poltergeist there's a great line that it knows what scares you mm. and that to me is the little poltergeist in your head because it's only going to sling those things that are really the most painful to you to, to and and whether it does it to keep you safe in, in its mind, keep you safe and not taking a risk and putting yourself out there so it reminds you of those painful moments or what. But how do we end up dealing with this so we can at least begin to move forward towards embracing this magnificence that we have? Yeah, the first step is, is being aware of yeah. that inner critic and be, noticing the the themes and patterns that keep on showing up, mm -hmm. right? So for instance, the, the inner critic that says, well, I'm not enough. And so to make up for not enough, I have to do more. I have to work harder, yes. Yes. right? I have to sacrifice more of myself so that I could be seen in the eyes of other people as enough. But if you look at that reasoning, it, it, logically, it makes sense. If I'm not enough, I have to do more, right? And if I still feel not enough, I have to do more. Yeah. But that, that's this trap, yep. right? The cycle of not enough, do more. Not enough, sacrifice. Not enough, do even more. Work harder, you know, head down, nose to the grindstone. Push harder, strive harder, achieve more, accomplish more. That's that pattern of that inner critic. It's like a paradigm that you're living in. And so to step out, you have to, first of all, be aware of that paradigm and then discover a new way of being, learn a new way of being that's not based on this old way of thinking. Right. The way that I do that is introduce people to this love energy. Okay so that it raises their consciousness beyond the consciousness they're living in. And that, that love energy tunes them into their own magnificence, into their own divinity. And so it expands what's possible. They start to see new possibilities for themselves. Okay. And then they can start making new choices. Okay. You know, I think that one issue that I hear from people, especially women, because we're used to that mindset of have to work twice as hard to be thought half as good, right? Many of us res relate to that. There's a big fear also, though, of swinging to the dark side. You know, th there's this, okay, I'm in the pit of unworthiness. Mm -hmm. I know I I want to embrace this concept of that the divine within and and of my own magnificence but I'm really afraid that I'll become you know any member of the 
the uh, celebrityhood that uh, swings too far, whether it's the Kardashians or you know the president or whoever it is that you believe is is too far at that embracing their own magnificent spectrum. How do you somehow find a healthy balance where you're confident and courageous, but you're not a hopeless jerk? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's that's part of that paradigm, isn't it? It's part it of the inner critic that keeps you bottled in um, not enoughness. It's like, well, what if I misuse my power? What if uh, you know I, I become for for whatever it is um, this other thing that I don't want to be? So, you know, when I when I think about about magnificence, I think about unconditional love. I think that's essentially who we are. And so the magnificence in us doesn't judge who we are. Uh, and even, even for many listeners now that perhaps aren't where they are in their life, it's only our judgment that makes us feel miserable. If we tune into the magnificence of who we are, that, that magnificence doesn't judge. It just says, oh, this is great. You're having an experience. And I, as magnificence, is just here to express myself in this world in whatever way that I'm choosing or I'm aware of that I can, right? So that magnificence might, uh, how do I say it? Uh, it, it? It doesn't judge the Kardashians or the Trumps or whatever. It just recognizes that they're having an experience and we're having an experience. So when we tune into that love within us, that our own magnificence, we can express ourselves however we choose. And I personally believe some of those reality celebrities I mean, yeah, that's their life they choose. I don't personally think that they're necessarily feeling whole within and that maybe some of their behaviors are uh, to to get more love, you know, some of that drama. But at the same time, it's TV. So, you know, reality TV is produced to create, to focus on the drama to get ratings. So we don't really know what is really going on. I think the point that is really important is that when we connect our own magnificence, meaning that we're okay with who we are, we're in acceptance, we forgive uh, other people, we um, are okay with who we are, then we don't need to act in a certain way to get it from other people, right? And when we're full of that, meaning full with our own love, then many people will, will start to respect us in the way that we start to respect ourselves. Because it, it's this ed energy resonance that happens. Yeah. Yeah, I think that when we get caught up in that judging of other people and saying, I don't want to be like that, it's because... You know, first of all, 
we would never behave that way, so we're going to judge them and make them wrong for the way they behave when, as you say, this is part of an entertainment alternate reality, if you mm-hmm. will, that they're participating in. That does not have to be our reality, or nor will it likely ever be our reality. And it's okay to, to, to say that's an end of the spectrum I don't want to go to. Yeah. And just uh, rather than judging them, that's a, uh, an end of the spectrum I don't want to go to. I'm going to, my, my magnificent is somewhere here, and this is where I'm going to be on that spectrum. That's at least how I would interpret that. Yeah. And, you know, there are, there are a lot of, teachers and very conscious people that have gone to the extreme and then they've come back to finding finding you know their their sweet spot so again you know it's easy to hold ourselves back out of fear that we're going to go so extreme that people are going to hate us and talk about them in judgmental ways and so we can hold ourselves back in that same fear. It's like the other, you know, this other twisted side of, of, of uh, putting ourselves out there and worrying about being judged, right? So I think that there's nothing wrong with going to the extreme if that's where you're led to go, if that's where you feel like mm-hmm. is important, and then having the awareness of, oh, this hasn't worked for me anymore, and this is where I'm going to be instead. Yeah, I think that is really, really well said because, and, and using the Kardashians as a, as a great example, they have enormous followers, right? There are people who literally can't stop watching them. So it's, that to me is an endorsement of you don't have to be like them. They are the them, right, that, that makes them happy. And it also shows you that there are people who want that, but Mm -hmm. that we should take that as we can therefore be the version of magnificent that we really are because there are going to be people who we resonate with. And that's, those are the only people we're talking about, talking to. And and we reach them best by being our true magnificent self, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's another piece here that's, um, that I want to share. And that is, you know, for, for myself, my own personal story, I, I did grow up feeling not enough. And I, I did, um, I don't know if I was um, really like physically abused or, or not, but I will, I mean, I was like physically punished. That was, you know, during the time when um, it was okay to be physically punished by parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, there was a lot about, afraid of being mistakes because if I made mistakes then I would get physically punished and that would be painful um there was some emotional abuse uh you know when I was growing up my my uh, mom was really sick and so um I had to take care of her and then my brothers as well so you know all of these experiences shape us and um, one of the things that I had to deal with growing growing up, and even to this day, it shows its face, is this fear of if I go do this thing for myself, then something bad's going to happen in in yes. you know in the family, yes. right? Because that's that's such a deep yes. fear as a kid of well, mo- something's going to happen to mom or something's going to happen to my younger brother. So my role is to take care of other people. 
right? right? But as you get older, or as I got older, I got to see how limiting that is. Because I wouldn't schedule anything for myself and just kind of hover around for family in case they needed me. But I never really got to do what I really wanted to do. Right. right? So, um, but what's kind of cool about that as well of having experienced feeling not enough and feeling weak, being a guy that's sensitive, um, it serves me in helping my clients, right. right? So as much as we don't want to experience anything that could be painful like we experienced whenever we had those painful moments, we can always find a way to have it serve us and have it serve other people. And I know with your audience, the people that are starting businesses or are, are, are in their business, there's this fear of like, um, there can be this fear of, well, I'm not enough and can I really support my clients? But you, you also have to look at, well, what have you done to get to this point? And what have you learned through the experiences you've had, whether good or bad, they're all, uh, they all bring awareness. They all help you be more of who you are. And, and I think that's a, a key point here that, yes, we've had pain. Yes, we had trauma. Yes, we've often feel that not enough. And with that, we can use those experiences to help other people on the path that are perhaps are just awakening to more of themselves. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that, you know, we, we have choices in our entire lives, right? So how we look at any situation, whether we see it as a, a force for good within us or a force for negative within us, we have the power to, to use that and, and make those choices. And I think that for those of us who have gone through, you know, well, there's lots of crappy stuff that we got to go through, right, on the way to, to evolving to become the person who we're going to be. But that's where growth happens, right? When you're exercising a muscle, you're putting stress on that particular piece of tissue and it's that stress that helps it grow and actually becomes physically stronger, not just visually st- bigger, but physically stronger. It's the same thing that happens when steel is made, right? It has to mm-hmm. be melted down to a liquid, and then it's made into something even stronger. It's how beautiful gemstones are made. They're ugly stones until they're tumbled and, and they come out more beautiful than ever and more valuable than ever. So I think that that's something that we must remember that the particularly tough experiences, I think of them as just a stop on the hero's journey, and that we've been selected for this uh, exciting uh, situation to go through and to use it then as a force for good as we share it and help our clients with the transformation that we're helping them with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you talk about um, this this concept, obviously, of living your magnificence. I was talking with a client who 
she had a hard time, and I, I laugh because I've had the same, the same hard time. She had a hard time articulating what she really wants to have, what she wants to do, who she wants to be, what she wants to achieve. She, and as she told me that her wisher was broken, how important do you think it is to have clarity and a, around a clear vision and what you really want in order to live fully this vision of magnificence? Do you have to have one before the other? How does that, how does that work? Well, it's different for each person. Okay. And uh, I think it's important to have a direction. And one doesn't necessarily need a completely clear vision, especially, you know, for, for a lot of us that have had the, the, these traumas and uh, you put other people first and been on this path of pleasing other people, it can be really challenging to even express what you want, yet let alone know what you want, because you're, you've made your life about other people. Yeah, that's a great point. Right. Um, and some of us have had experiences where it wasn't okay to want. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's easy to suppress that. So for, for the person that you were talking to, uh, I would start off with just getting in touch with, well, what would I want? Just, just like opening up that question of, you know, what would light me up and uh, what would I like more of? And just do it step by step. I, I don't think that, you know, a lot of people teach that you need this really clear vision. And I think at some point you'll get to, uh, one can get to a clear vision. But to put the pressure on yourself that you need the clear vision before you can take a step, I think is, I it's really defeating. I agree with you. It, it, there's so much pressure, especially when you are coming out of maybe a time that was difficult or you've just developed this awareness that you have these issues that have been holding you back, then to decide, okay, I'm going to embrace my magnificence, to expect somebody and yourself, to expect yourself to be able to just go, this is what I want, this is what I'm here for, this is, this is my big vision for the universe. It, that yeah it does it puts incredible pressure on that person to be right and and fear of making a mistake can be an issue that they wrestle with on a regular basis so now i'm i'm all caught up in well how do i make the right choice so yeah i think it just complicates things okay. yeah yeah that's a really great point yeah so uh, on your podcast uh, the episode called Your Return on Adventure, you share some of your own fears. And uh, that really resonated with me because I think one of the issues that gets in our own way is this whole issue of being vulnerable, mm -hmm. exposing ourselves to the possibility of rejection and hurt. That, that muscle memory, if you will, is still there of those times when it's happened to us. And there's not a person out there who has not done something that, you know, maybe they were embarrassed about or got shamed for or that didn't go the way they wanted it to and they have a hurt around it, right? So uh, 
can you can you talk a little bit about uh, fear and how it works to hold us back and and limit our efforts to find and really embrace that magnificence yeah uh, fear fear is often based on our stories you know, of what we've experienced uh, but fear is also a you talk about muscle memory it's also a cellular memory this is the way that I like to think of it it's yeah. this you know this um, the two work together mm -hmm. where uh, we think that, well, someone's not going to accept us or they're going to laugh at us or they're going to think that we're totally wacko or whatever. And that brings up the old memories, the old cellular memories of the times when we weren't accepted, we didn't fit in, we, we believed that we were not enough or whatever we experienced. And so it's often the what happens in our body, you know, the, the tense, the tightness in our solar plexus or the tightness in our chest or uh, just our bodily responses that we don't like and we don't know how to deal with that shut us down and limit us. So it's important to learn to make room for those feelings in our, the bodies and sensations and then learn how to move through them so that they don't hold us back. Because I think that's ultimately what we're afraid of. We're afraid of the uncertainty and the lack of control. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And uh, for those of us that have had several instances where we couldn't control what was happening, we didn't know how to control what was happening. And so we go to trying to control our circumstances or controlling other people to feel safe. So, excuse me, I'm going to cough here. So, um, so we need to learn how to find ease and and comfort and uh, a new space, and, like expand what's possible for us by learning to move through those through that uncomfortableness, right? Because I don't think that we can be completely devoid of uncomfortableness, and we can't be uh, completely fearless either. I think fear will always continue to come up for us as we experience new situations. I think that's healthy. Uh, and, and this idea of like, we, we should be fearless. Uh, I, I think it's, um, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a smart way to live. Um, we, we can look at that fear and see what's behind it, right? Is it an old story? Is it really a new experience? You know, or, you know, is there a bear, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, right. And, and so we can look at it and say, okay, what's driving this fear? And, and look at, well, is it, if it is an old thing, what's a new perspective that we can have about this? And what's a new energy that we can introduce into this so that even in the face of fear, or even in the face of this experience that's causing fear, 
I can find peace. And that starts to change how we respond, right? If, if we're always, if fear always comes up in a new situation and we just back off, then that's limiting, mm -hmm. right? But if fear comes up in a new situation and then we learn to respond in a different way, wow, then that's, uh, that opens up possibilities for us. Yeah, that's the difference between, in my opinion, disempowering choices and behaviors and the empowering behaviors and choices. And, and it is a process of uh, micro steps sometimes, taking those little tiny steps that help us build those new muscles and, and learn new skills to be able to fully step into that. You know, this, this is so interesting. I'm going for days t talking about this with you, Nat, and I really appreciate your perspectives. They're, I think they're fascinating and, and powerful for many people. Can you talk a little bit about exactly what it is that you do with clients, what, what your work is centered around, and then share where can folks go who want to get more information and get in touch with you? Sure. Thank you. Uh, before I go there, I just want to touch on one other thing that you yeah. just said. You talked about taking little baby steps, and I think that's so important. Uh, we often want the quick change, right? right? Yep. And uh, who doesn't want the quick change? We want, we want a new life today. We want to be new people today. And, but I think that for the, the, our audiences that um, – where there's, there's a fear of acceptance or fear of non-acceptance or a fear of not enough or, or have had some level of abuse, that quick change will never work because we need to nurture ourselves. We need to take those little baby steps to feel a little safer so that we can come out on the other side. And this is something I learned for myself because I used to listen to these other gurus and teachers and coaches to say, well, Nat, you know, to change, you have to take massive action and you have to push yourself and, and all this stuff. And I did all that and it freaked me out. And then I would just like come up with any possible way to procrastinate, to not do that because it didn't work for me. Right. And then I used to think that something was wrong, that it didn't work for yep. me. Yep. But what has worked for me are these consistent steps to reach a little goal or to feel a little bit better. And that has done more for me than this, let's push it and, and push harder and you know, like just feel how stressful of a situation you're creating for yourself when you're pushing and striving and, yeah. you know, um, reaching for the next level. No wonder that, and, one other point here, that stress that we feel when we're pushing and striving is very similar to the stress we feel when we're in fear. So in a sense, you're creating an environment of fear for yourself and you're not letting yourself step out of that fear because you're continually creating it for yourself day by day by day. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is just so, so dead on. And I was just having a conversation similar to this with some folks last week. And 
I find those whole, all of those guru messages, well, the ones I'm exposed to, can be so disempowering and shaming because they feed into this, well, you're not enough. You're just, you know, because you're not taking this massive action. Hey, I'm feeling pretty good about what I am doing and you know that person who looks like they took massive action they're in a different place than you are personally professionally etc and now you're you're back to judging yourself again and and making yourself once again not good enough not not worthy and that's part of what it, it's part of the buttons I think that they push that we have that are there to be pushed and it it just continues this vicious cycle of nothing I'm going to do is ever going to be enough. Yeah. 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 All right. So so tell us about what you do, how you help folks, and where can we go and get more information? Because this is just fascinating. Thank you so much, Winnie. Um, so I work with uh, a lot of entrepreneurs who uh, are at a place in their life where, um, you know, they've worked a lot. They push themselves, all the things we've been talking about, right? And they realize that I, I can't continue on this way. And what I really want, what, what my client really wants is to experience more joy, more ease, uh, more peace, uh, allowing more of what they want in their lives that they didn't allow before uh, because of all those reasons we've talked about. Right. So that might be a part of themselves that they're not allowing to be expressed because they they learned that it wasn't OK. And that also might mean allowing more recreation, more fun, more time off, more relaxation uh, that they didn't allow because also it wasn't allowed before. Or, you know, they learned that it didn't end up well when they made time for that. So. Uh, when clients work with me, we work primarily one-on-one. -on -one. That's primarily what I'm doing right now is one-on-one -on -one work uh, because it's intimate. It's a safe space. And uh, I introduce them to their soul, and I help them develop a, a strong connection with their soul and feel that love that they have within because they need to know that the love exists now for them and that they're always loved and to develop that energetic connection with it so they can feel it more often because they are lovable despite what they've experienced. When they start to feel that connection more and more and more, then it becomes a part of them. They, they get to express more of that in their lives and they start to see where they can allow more of love in their lives. Whether that's, whether that's a partner, whether that's recreation, more fun, whether, that, whether that's even just peace of mind. And they start to feel this strength and confidence that grows within them. That's there, but it has been dampened by all the experiences they have. That's that magnificence where you have everything already. It's just you haven't expressed it as much as this other stuff that you've expressed. And so they start to live more freely. They start to feel more liberated. Um, and they're still making the impact they want, 
right? But they're doing it from this place of, I'm going to take care of myself first. I'm going to nurture myself. And when I'm filled up, then I can feel like I can serve people from this buoyant, uh, overflowing place rather than from this place of, oh, I got to push and I got to give, but I don't have much to give, right? It's a totally different energy and feel. So uh, people can learn more about me at my, my site, which is my name, natkorobentree.com. Or if that's hard to spell, I, I'm sure you'll, you'll have notes and stuff yes, like that. Yeah. But um, we'll have the links if, right there. if they go to boldmagnificence.com, that goes to my podcast page, and then they can reach my site that way as well. Awesome. And we'll have links to all of those things uh, in the show notes as well. So it's nice and easy for folks to get to. But uh, bare minimum, you can remember Bold Magnificence, and it's a great show. So I encourage you to to tune in and check it out. So thanks again, Nat, for all your time and your great insight. This has been really excellent. Thank you so much, Winnie. All right. I hope you found that useful. If you like this episode, I hope you'll share it with those in your networks and communities. Leave a positive review on the platform where you're enjoying this and become a fan of the show at winnieanderson.com fans. When you do, you'll receive episodes emailed to you and you'll re- also receive information, tips, and resources to help you break free from self-doubt, fears, and disempowering patterns, as well as business development strategies and content marketing strategies to help you profit from your expertise by positioning and pre-selling yourself as the unique solution provider you are. All right, so your cocktail exercise. Now, you know, that's what I call a reflection exercise. You know, you just want to picture yourself with your feet up, resting someplace fabulous with an appropriate beverage in your hand. So uh, alcohol isn't necessary, and of course, don't overindulge and don't drink or drive. All right, so your cocktail exercise. Think about the conflicting messages that you got while growing up. You know, on the one hand, we're praised for doing something clever, but we're also told that everyone is special and we're nothing particularly unique. We're complimented for our appearance, but rarely for our brains. We then join a company or organization and we put our efforts in helping the organization and others succeed. We juggle being a good team member with being the resident expert who's sought after for our knowledge, skills, and abilities. We're told we need to speak up about our accomplishments, so we're rewarded for our value, but we often get silenced and frustrated then when our value isn't recognized. Then we go out on our own. Now we're faced with having to create a professional identity all over again, and suddenly decades of achievement don't seem to matter, at least not to us. And that's what we might be telling ourselves. So think about all of those opposites that we wrestle with. Now, for your action step. As a solo professional and one who hates selling, you may be struggling with a way to market and sell your services in a way that feels good to you and attracts the sort of opportunities, connections, and clients you you want. And you may wrestle with putting your bold magnificent out there. I believe the key is to truly treat yourself as if you were your own best friend and to develop an internal cheering squad. So listen to the monologue that runs through your head every day. Do you tell yourself that you can't create an opt-in that drives traffic and opt-ins to your site? Because, you know, who wants to hear what you have to say? Do you see writing a blog post or creating content as a drudge? 
you know, especially because nobody wants to read what, what you want to put out there. Those are all the things that you're telling yourself. So if your mono, inner monologue is full of criticism and negativity, it's time to work to shut up that inner critic. You can do this in a couple of ways. I recommend you experiment to find what works for you. So here are my top three ways. First of all, you need to tune into your inner dialogue and catch yourself in the moment of negativity. Then you want to restate the comment that you made to something more empowering. Now, when I started to do this myself, I noticed that, for example, this might sound crazy, but when I stubbed my toe, I would call myself bad names in the dark, you know, stupid, and that's the nicest thing I said. Now, that's ridiculous. It's dark. People do this, right? They stub their toe. I'm half asleep. I'm trying to avoid waking my husband up, and I'm probably trying to avoid one of the cats. So in my caution and in the dark, I bumped into a piece of furniture. Wow, how human is that? There's nothing stupid about it. So just start to tune into all of those little things. Number two, pick someone who loves you and imagine what they'd say to you. Now, back to my toe example. All of my friends would ask, are you okay? Then they'd sympathize with me and they'd make a suggestion to either deal with the pain, you know, how to deal with the pain, or how to avoid hurting myself in the future, or both. So start calling on that person who loves you best, your best friend, and make them your inner commenter and have them silence the inner critic. Okay, number three, ask yourself who really owns that voice in your head? Because it's, it's, it might sound like you, because it's you actually saying it, but that's not where that language comes from. So for me, for example, standing in front of a mirror, I would hear my mother's voice telling me I was ugly. And I really recognized that out on my own, you know, when I worked in corporate life, I had to look good, had, had to uh, wear a suit every day and have makeup on to get my hair done and that sort of thing. But out on my own, of course, we can work in our jammies. So certainly sweatpants, and that's what I would do every day. So when I realized that my outward physical self was a representation of the inner critic and the, the sadness and, and depression that I was feeling, frankly, I decided it was time to replace her and stop listening to my mother with the voices of Stacy Loudon and Clinton Kelly for one of my favorite guilty pleasure shows, What Not to Wear. This way, I was able to start focusing on what flattered me and what was functional, you know, what was going to work for the situation that I was going to be wearing it to. It wasn't about beauty. For me, it was about professionalism and presenting presenting an image that exuded confidence to the people that I was meeting, people I was teaching, that sort of thing. And of course, I had to be comfortable. So what you might think of this is, you know, you might think of it as playing your tricks on yourself or playing semantics, but I think of it really as getting rid of the disempowering, hurtful sometimes voices and replacing them with empowering ones that are supportive and make you feel good, that build up your confidence and your courage 
So you can get out there and, and as, as Nat calls it, put your bold magnificence out there. So if you'd like some extra help working through these issues and others like them, visit my website at winnieanderson.com and check out the resources and articles there. Consider becoming a member of my community so you can be the first to receive new information, tips and resources like assessments and things like that, and including exclusive offers and discounts on courses, coaching, and products. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back with another episode of The Courageous Entrepreneur soon, and until then, remember, you're worthy of all the success you dream of.